You know, I just had this thought. I'm, I'm not going to get weird on you tonight, but I had this thought. Um, you know, the church, you come here week after week. We bring a word, always a word to encourage, because that's, that's what God's intent is, that we be encouraged and built up. So we always bring something that encourages you. I mean, m- many times we bring something that challenges you, but ultimately it's to encourage. But so often the words that are brought are brought in a way that, that address a place where maybe you're struggling. And some people would think, you know, hey, if, if you're in the church, I mean, you ought to have it together and things ought to be right and you ought to be overcoming and there not be many issues or problems or whatever. But the truth is, um, the more revelation that you receive about God and who God is, the more pressure is going to come from what we call in the Bible, what God calls in the Bible, what we talk about a lot, is the pressure that comes from the enemy, from the devil himself, from demonic spirits. And I'm not trying to get weird with you, I'm just saying there's an evil that's in the world. I mean, if God is good and everything about him is good, then things that you see are evil, like, a, like some guy, you know, having a machine gun and, and, and wiping out, you know, a bunch of people in a Navy shipyard or, or in, a, in a naval yard. There's nothing good about that at all. People being taken out like that, there's nothing good about that. And so, there's things that aren't good in the earth, and they don't come from God. Nothing bad is from God. He's good. He's only good. That wasn't an act of God. That was a guy losing his mind, and taking a gun, and wiping out a bunch of people. That's not an act of God. You know? But, but people, people in our society, in our government, and and you know, institutions will try to reason it away that it was, and, and blame God for something like that that happens. Um, I was watching an interview, we had it taped, watching an interview uh, last night, watching that interview from uh, Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback Church in California. Did anybody see the interview? Wow, you guys don't watch TV? Um, and He's pastored for 30-plus years. He had a, he's got three children, 27-year-old son that took his life back in April. He pastors one of the largest churches in the United States and actually one of the largest in the, in the world, about 50,000 members in his church. And his son took a gun and took him, I mean, killed himself. And uh, this was back in April. And... They were on Pierce Morgan and doing this interview, and they were talking about what had happened. I mean, you know, when you, when you hear that somebody's child took their life, 
and they're preaching the gospel and they have a church of 50,000 people, there's a lot of people that will prejudge that guy and say, well, you know, hey, I mean, what, what does it matter how big your church is if your son took his life? But the truth of the matter is, and, and this man said it on this interview, he said, God did not take my son. My son bought a gun illegally and he took his own life. He did it. You know, things happen. Pressure comes. The more you do for God, the more pressures there, there's going to be. And I think this. I think, I remember when the year 2000 rolled around. Leading up to the year 2000, people were freaked about what was going to happen. There was going to be a computer glitch and there was going to be no water and People bought all kinds of things and did all kinds of stuff out of panic and fear. If you weren't really aware of what was going on in the year 2000, some things happened at that time, but it wasn't about the natural. And in April of 1999, I went because people were trying to get me to buy all kinds of stuff and do and, and, and hoard up and all this because of what was fixing to go. And I just, I spent... I told my wife, I'm, I'm spending a whole week and I'm praying about this thing and I'm going to hear from God. What does God say about this? If I need to buy water and I need to buy generators and I need to do this and all this stuff is going to happen, I'm going to do it. And, and I just prayed and I asked God, I mean, show me. Because it looks like what's coming is horrible. And so I prayed and the Lord said, no, that's, you don't do that. And I told the church this church where we were, I told our church, God told me nothing's going to happen. There would be no computer glitches. There's no reason to buy an extra gallon of water or a generator or anything else. I told, you know, some of you were there. And I, t and I told our church, don't do it. I'm just telling you, I'm not buying an, a, a gallon of water because I've heard from God. If I, if, I didn't, if I didn't hear anything, okay, if I didn't hear anything, I heard something specific, and we're going to talk about this tonight, that's why I'm telling this story, but I heard something specific. But what, I, what I believe God showed me over the next year, year and a half, was there was something else that was happening that people were missing. And I think in the year 2000, when, that, when things shifted over into the, the new millennium, that there was spiritual pressure and attacks that have come against God's people. And when I say that, I'm not separating us from the rest of the people on the planet other than, okay, other than, when you choose to be a part of what God is building and you begin to get revelation about how to live victorious, then you become a threat to the enemy because then your life, you can share things in your life with another person and that person gets free. See, the devil hates that. Devil really don't care whether you go to heaven or hell or whether you live victorious or not. He just wants in this life, he wants in this life to you to, you, for you to believe that the pressure that comes on you from a spiritual perspective and the fears and the thoughts that come to you are more real than the truth of God's word and that what it looks like out there is more real than what God has promised. That's what he wants. He wants you to believe that stuff. I'm telling you tonight, we can hear from God, and we can do what God says to do, and we can prosper and overcome in every situation. But there is a lot of pressure out there. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of pressure. And last, this is the fourth week that we've been talking about 
The series is on a, f- a friend of God. And we've talked about what it means to be a friend. And we've talked about what it means to know that you're a friend of God and that God is your friend. He's, he said it. And one of the things about being a friend of God and understanding what a friend really is enables us to have confidence in the fact that he's a friend and he will never leave you. And he will never leave you without power and he'll never leave you alone and he'll never leave you in a condition or a situation where you don't have the ability to overcome. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Right? then that means no matter what the world does, God is greater. And where is he? In me. And if I embrace it, then that means that I can overcome because he's the overcomer and he's in me. And actually, he's already overcome. I just need to catch up. I'm going to say it again. He's already overcome and I need to catch up. So, I want to I wanna define again, the difference in a friend and what a friendship is. A friend is someone of value, integrity, trust, someone who will fight for another no matter the issues and will never leave them. That's a friend. A friendship is something that is mutual, someone proven trustworthy, sincere, who has integrity and has proven themselves. But, it's, but, it, but it, it, a friendship takes two people. What can happen in a friendship is that it can be broken, it can be severed, and it can be ruined. You can think you're best friends forever, you know, kind of a thing, and you put all your stock and confidence in what that person's going to do, then they let you down, and then you get offended, and it's like you're separated and you don't talk to each other for years. See, but a friend doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, no matter what you do. Wow. Hmm? Look at this verse in Proverbs 18. This just proves the point I just made in defining a friend versus friendship. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Listen to this in the Amplified. Interesting. A man of many friends, a friend of all the world, will prove himself a bad friend. (laughs) You don't have have the ability within yourself to measure up to what it's going to take to be a good friend to someone else. See, you can't, measure, you can't measure what a friend is based on what you do right or wrong. You base what a friend is on what the ultimate or the end result is. I may miss it here. I may not do something exactly right, but I'm with you and I'm going to stay with you. You may not do something exactly right, but I'm backing you and I'm going to stay with you to the end. 
See, and we've got to have the nature of God, and we've got to know that, that the friend that God is in us so that we can be that same friend. Never conditional. So a man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In John 15, we read this last time also. John 15 and verse 12, well, verse 13, greater love, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother that will lay his life down no matter what, no matter what the circumstances, and will never quit. That's who God is. He's our example. And that's what we've been created to do, is to be that, to be that. When when you try something, well, you know, I'm trying. You you know, you, you need to be a friend. I'm trying. No, because the more you try, the more you'll fail. But when you choose to be a friend, then it's to the death. No greater love does anybody have than one that lays his life down for his friend. No greater love. And that's what Jesus did for us. He was the perfect example. He said, you're my friends if you do what I command you to do. Now, title of my message tonight is A Friend and a Helper. A Friend and a Helper. And I want to look at Galatians chapter 5 for a moment and read a few verses of Scripture. Galatians 5 and verse 13. He says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only don't use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but what? But through love, serve one another. So that's what a friend will do. A friend will choose to love and serve, not think about themselves, not using their liberty and freedom on themselves, but serve each other. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, you'll love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by each other. I say then, walk in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust of the, for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, they're contrary to one another so that you, not, you don't do the things that you wish or that you desire. But if you're led by the spirit, then you're not under the law. You're, you're free to do, you're free, you're free to love beyond what you would think that another human being could do in love. When you're led by the Spirit, you're free to serve like you wouldn't ever think that a human being could serve. When you're led by the Spirit, you can lay your life down for the good of someone else in a way that you wouldn't think that another human being could when you're led by the Spirit. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, and it goes on and it talks about all the works of the flesh, and you can add anything that's not even written there. But he says in verse 22, 
But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, he just, in verse 19, 20, and 21, he lists the fruit of the flesh, in other words. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of being led by the Spirit, the fruit of walking in the Spirit is this. It's love, and it's joy, and it's peace, and it's long-suffering, and it's kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there's no law. In other words, you're not limited to how much of all those things that you can do and, 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 and that you can demonstrate and exercise in your life on a day-to-day basis. This is what I wrote down. God wants you and I to be connected to the issues of life. No, God wants us to be connected to issues of life. I don't know what I wrote down. Ah, oh, there's two different things. Okay, God wants us to be connected to the issues of life. He wants us to be able to relate to issues, okay? Now, think about, everybody say fruit. Let me tell you, what's the first thought that comes to your mind when you think of fruit? Somebody just throw something out there. Watermelon. Watermelon. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody else tell me what you think of when you think of fruit. Apple, pear, pomegranate. Ah, that's not what I think of. Anyway, <clears throat> somebody else. Strawberries, oranges, grapes, fruit, fruit, fruit. Does anybody, does anybody, I mean, you know, other than a pomegranate, but, <laughs> but, does, it, does anybody, when you think about, I mean, not, not everybody likes every kind of fruit, but when you think about fruit, usually it puts a smile on your face. Mmm. Especially when Sandra said watermelon. Mmm. Especially when you get one, you thump them, you know, you go, you, you know, I learned early on how to thump a watermelon, you know, to make sure that it's ripe on the inside so you don't cut it open and it, you know, it... You eat into it, and it makes your jaws tight because it's sour. And there's nothing worse than a sour watermelon. Man, 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 when it is red on the inside, and you eat it, it's like, it's like eat, eating pure sugar. And your mind's telling you it's good for you. It's good, huh? It's almost like eating a big, huge bowl of bluebell ice cream and telling yourself it's good for you. Man, puts a smile on my face when I think of the fruit, right? But see, here's the thing, okay? The tendency is to read the works of the flesh, okay, and think about, okay, you know, I'm struggling with this, and I had a hard time with this, and I'm living like this, and I'm doing ah, ah. And the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. I mean, I would love, joy, peace. What's that, you know? I mean, love, joy, peace, we, you know, love, joy, peace, love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, goodness, long-suffering, kindness, self-control, all of it. I mean, and, and so we look at those, we look at the fruit of the Spirit as those things, and it's almost like we're never going to attain that, you know? I may demonstrate self-control in one area, and then, you know, 
I get hammered for not being in self-control in four other areas, right? And so it looks like, it looks like in reading here that the lust of the flesh wins out. That's what it looks like. But notice it says, and, I, and I, when we were talking about our series on the Holy Spirit, I said, it says, but if you walk by the Spirit, in verse 16, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't do that stuff. And you know what you'll do? You know what you'll do? You'll demonstrate fruit. Because what I was reading a minute ago, what I wrote down a minute ago, God wants us to be connected to the issues of life. What He wants you to be connected to, He wants you to be connected to uh, the lack of peace so that peace can be demonstrated. He wants you to be in, He wants you to not run from, from, you know, situations that are not real joyful so that you can step into the situation and demonstrate the joy of the Lord. He, he, wants you to, he wants you to be able to face the fact that you're out of control in your soul and in areas of your life so that empowered by Him and walking in the Spirit, you can stop those things. He doesn't want us to be afraid of them. Because I'm telling you, see, what I said earlier when, when, when I was first talking about it, everybody from this end chair over here all the way across to the other side, everybody's got issues. And what do we do with the issues? Do we run from them or do we face them? God said, You've got to face them. If you don't face them, they're your worst nightmare. They will eat at you. They'll haunt you. They'll wake you up in the middle of the night. You'll have nightmares about stuff and issues that you don't face and that you can't get over in your life. God's saying, man, if you'll walk with me, the title of my message tonight is a friend and a helper, and you'll let me help you, and you'll let me show you who I am and what I can do in given situations, I'll cause you to bear fruit where there'll be people knocking on your door 24-7. People will be knocking on your door and calling you all the time. You have to, you know, I don't want to talk to that guy. I don't know that number. I ain't answering that one. I mean, I already, I've already been on the phone 48 times today. Because people be seeking you out because you look like a watermelon. <laughs> You look like a watermelon. They want to take a big old bite out of you. Hmm? And the more God, the sweeter you are. The more joy there is. The more peace that there's not. Because, see, because you're willing to face, you're willing to face situations where there's not peace. Okay, let's get through it. Let's deal with it. Okay? Let's see what a friend does. A friend comes and a friend will speak the truth. One of the characteristics, if you read 1 Corinthians 13 on, uh, in the love of God, you see love is kind, love is patient, love is this, love is that. But one of the characteristics of the love of God is that love doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but it rejoices when right and truth prevail. So, so see, there's a friend that's closer than a brother that'll look at you when you're fixing to go over the side of the cliff in your flesh, and you fix them to make a stupid mistake, and they're going to tell you, you know what, man, I love you. 
but you're going to screw up and you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. That's what a friend will say. See, people that really are a friend and they really don't have your back, they'll tell you what you want to hear. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude, man, you've done all kinds of good stuff and you deserve, you know, you deserve to leave your wife and go do whatever you want to do. You deserve to do those kind of things. I mean, I mean, you've had it rough. I mean, it's been, you know, it's been a lot of years you've had to live with that witch. <laughs> you know, that ain't a friend. No, that ain't a friend. Friend's going to help you work on something and work through it and be able to face it. God wants us to face the issues and let his peace and his joy And the self-control that comes from him and the gentleness that comes from him and the love that comes from him and the peace of mind that comes from him. He wants those things to be demonstrated in the opposites. And from that side of the room to that side of the room, we we all got those issues. The thing about it is that some people have some of these issues that are real apparent. And other people have some of these issues that are real hidden. And the more honest you become, and and you just bring it before God and begin to talk about it and face it. And and we talked about Sunday about the church and what the church is about. You know, what is the church here for? We're here to bring to the table the words so that we can get rid of insecurities and fears and strife and and you remember where the where we read on Sunday you know offenses are going to come Jesus said there's no way offenses won't come but woe to who they are allowed to continue to operate through he said he didn't say they wouldn't come everybody's going to get offended I mean you know by the end of the night before you get out of here you might get offended offenses will come but what are you going to do with it are you going to face it and allow the power of God to cause you to overcome so that you can help other people overcome? Are you going to take it and hold on to it and then allow that to work not only through you, but contaminate other people? And I tell you, you you, you have children, parents in here tonight, and you've got small children, you know, and you're tolerating stuff, all it's going to do is just get right on your kids. I know. I know, because I know what I brought into my marriage. I brought stuff into my marriage. And when we started having kids, some of that stuff wasn't dealt with in me, and it got put on my kids because I didn't deal with it. But the more I begin to deal with it and get it off of me, I get it off of them, and then they don't have to deal with it, and they can be able to not be afraid of facing issues in life. God wants you and I to face the issues of life. But we're not facing the issues of life in our own ability because you will fail. If you walk by the Spirit, that stuff won't get the best of you. That's what he said. You say, what stuff? <laughs> you tell me. Right? Not, the, not the stuff in my, that I'm dealing with. Well, you tell me what you're dealing with, and if you'll walk by the Spirit and understand how to do that, that stuff won't get the best of you, and you'll overcome but you have to face it, and you can't be afraid of it, and you have to do it. God didn't create us to do it on our own. I mean, you know, if you're on a deserted island somewhere, you know, God's grace will prevail, but he didn't create us to do it. That's why the church, God is building his church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. That means all of us. That's why 
at, at Gates of the City in 2013. It's all about connection and about relationships. And we just, you know what? H- how do you do that? You just do it. Somebody came to me the other day, said, Pastor, this, this person, you know, kind of really needs to get connected. What should I do? Talk to him. But, but, but I mean, no, no, talk to him. What other way to do it but talk to people, connect with people, get with people. Don't be afraid of people, but we got to face it. See, we got to face the issues of life. We, we, yeah, yeah, but, but I want to get too close to people because they may have stuff. <laughs> well, then die. I mean, you know, people got stuff. People got attitude. Man, to people. I think since the year 2000, attitude has totally increased. Man, huh? <laughs> to the point that you, you get people in your life and they have the attitude that the world owes them something. I'm telling you right now, you got that attitude, you need to get rid of it. If it even if it takes you the next 10 years, get rid of it. The world will owe you nothing. But for the grace of God, you're nothing. The Bible says that. But for the grace of God, I'm nothing. I'm toast, huh? I'm a piece of charcoal, but for the grace of God. Amen? A friend and a helper, Hebrews 13. Last week, we talked about a friend in relation to salvation number of people got born again last week. Tonight we're talking in relation to the helper of the Holy Spirit working in your life. And this isn't an exhaustive message in this area, but I'm going to give you two things here as we close this message that I believe are very, very important. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Is that on the screen? In, in, in the quotes right there, just that, just that Lord is my helper. Let's all just say it together. Ready, read. The Lord is my helper. Come on, this one more time. The Lord is my helper. And you know what? When, when I walk by the Spirit, you know what will happen? I won't be afraid. See, it didn't say walk by the Spirit and you'll be tough. So walk by the Spirit and you won't be afraid. The person that walks by the Spirit because he's being helped by the helper, won't fear, and he won't fear man, because what can man do to me when the creator of the universe is helping me? What can man do when the creator of the universe is helping you? Hmm? Nothing. The answer, right there. The answer is nothing. When the creator of the universe is helping you face the issues of life, what can man do to you? Nothing. If you ever read 
the book of Ephesians, six chapters. The Apostle Paul wrote, I mean, that's, that's one of the most encouraging letters in all the Bible is the book of Ephesians. And there's, there's so much depth in those, six, those short six chapters. But the Apostle Paul wrote that in, an, in, a, in a prison in Ephesus. But it wasn't just, it wasn't just a above-ground prison. It was a down-under-the-prison prison. He was, in the, he was in the pit. And he wrote this letter there because he wasn't imprisoned he was imprisoned in the natural, but he wasn't imprisoned inside. What can man do to you when God is your helper? Zero. Absolutely nothing. Amen? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? A friend and a helper is what we're talking about tonight. John 14. I'm just going to read these few verses. John 14. And verse 16. And I will pray the Father. This is Jesus telling his disciples. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. You can't tap the helper, the spirit of truth. If you're not born again, because it neither the world neither sees him nor does the world know him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Because see, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross; mankind didn't have the Spirit back in them yet, but but he was on them. And he said, "I won't leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. I will help you." Amen. He is our helper. Sixteenth chapter in the seventh verse of John. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. He's telling his disciples this. All kinds of great things are happening. They're thinking, man, that doesn't make any sense. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And there's a whole lot said right there that is there's a totally different message. And And verse 13, he says, however, when he, he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth and he will not speak on his own authority or initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things that are to come. Wow. He, the spirit of truth, when he comes, he's going to lead us into all truth. He's here to help us. What's he here to help me to do? He's here to help me. To show me I don't have to be afraid because there's certain things in my life, in my upbringing that taught me to be afraid. There's things that I learned in my upbringing because my parents knew nothing about God, I learned to be afraid. But, but, what, but what, do you, what do you do? You just, you just stay afraid? No, you cope with it. The world teaches you how to cope with fear and fear issues. But God wants us to face fear And let fear know, wait a minute, I didn't get that from God. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. You see? So the fear thing didn't come from God. It came from the world. Now, now, I'm learning to receive from God. And he said, I haven't given you fear, but I've given you a spirit of power, 
a spirit of love and the spirit of a well-balanced and a sound mind. Where I don't have to be tossed to and fro. I don't have to wake up every morning and be afraid. I don't have to have a good day and a bad day kind of a thing. It doesn't mean that there's not days with circumstances that have the appearance of not good, but I can live and face the issues with the power of the Holy Spirit, the helper, and He will cause me and give me the ability to overcome. And listen, I'm just telling you today, I don't know how He does it sometimes. I don't know. When it looks like, man, I mean, the indicator's looking like it's going to be one hell of a day. Hmm? But, now, wait a minute. I pray in the Spirit. I listen to God. Listen to His voice. He's here to help me. Listen, He's not going to fix it. He's not going to fix the stuff. He's going to help me. He's going to help me fix it. With his power, his ability, his wisdom, his understanding, he's going to help me fix the issues that I have. That's right. hmm? I can face them, see? See, everybody wants to run and cope and take a pill and do this. And I, I'm not against anybody does anything that they need to do. I'm just saying, I think there's a better way, okay? And I didn't tell you if you're on medication to get off a of medication. I've had people hear me say something, and that's not what I said. I'm just saying I think there's a better way. There's a different way, okay? And, and we can learn to step into it and decide that we're going to learn about something that nobody ever taught us about. So you can go on the Internet and find out about all the other ways to get help and, and cope with and deal with all kinds of stuff in your life. But you can go into here and, and, and tap into the, the Internet of the Word of God and, and you can begin to draw out of here things that nobody ever taught you. You know, you, you, you may have 14 degrees at college and they never taught you how to walk in, in the Spirit. See, when you walk in the Spirit, then you don't be afraid. Wow, you mean all I got to do is just hear the Spirit and fear just goes away? I didn't say that. No, no, no. I said you walk in the Spirit and He begins to show you how to face fear, not cope with it, face it, and begin to call that thing down and let it know it has no authority in your life. See? And the more you do that, then the more pressure comes and the more obstacles and stuff from different directions come and they try to take you down. And he wants to wear you out. You understand what I'm saying? He wants to wear you out. And that's what's happened over the last 13 years since the new millennium, that the enemy has worked against people to wear them down and wear them out and believe that God will not do what he said he'll do. So... What's really happened is we've spent too much time trying to figure things out in the flesh instead of walking in the Spirit. Because walking in the Spirit will produce the answers. See, we just have to learn to do that, and we have to learn to believe in it. Can you say amen? So, tonight, and if you, you need to go, that's fine. But these two messages, usually on Wednesday night, what we do won't last as long as last week went and tonight went, okay? But we needed to pray for people to be born again. And tonight, I need to pray for anybody that wants to receive the helper in a deeper way. 
There's not two spirits, but there's a working of the Spirit, okay? And I want to read this passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 19. And if I had another hour, we'd look at a dozen more of them like this. But I want, I want to look at Acts chapter 19 in verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. Pay attention, listen to this. That Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Do you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, then, then into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay? They got born again. When they heard this, then they got born again. Verse 6 says, And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. There's a number of other passages. I don't have time tonight to go into it. Because really, really, if you're not ready for it, if you're not ready for it, and, and, and listen to me when I say this, okay? Jessica, hold your hand up back there. There's Jessica in the back. If you're here tonight and you say, you know, I'm not totally sure about it. That's fine. But we want to put a book in your hand if you want it. Just a little book. talks about seven steps to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're not ready for that tonight, there's no really no pressure. There's no pressure at all. God just wants you to be in a position where you receive from Him. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit... But the evidence of praying in other tongues is something that is real. We see it here. We see it all through the Bible. Paul said, I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all. Because there are many people that were, were against it. They didn't believe it was real. And it really doesn't matter because until you choose to believe what the Word says concerning it, you'll never embrace it. But tonight, I want to show you as, as, as you come and we pray, I want to just show you this verse, this verse of Scripture in Matthew 7. <clears throat> and this will help you to not be discouraged. So I know there's people that have been prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and never received it. But I'm telling you, Jesus is your friend, and he's your helper, and he wants to help you. And what happens in praying in, in, in other tongues, being able to pray in the Spirit, activates His ability to help you at levels that you've never known before. And verse 7 of Matthew 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. What man is there among you who when his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? What's the answer to those questions? No, he won't. Not a, not, a good, not a good father, not a good parent. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. But the thing I want you to see here is that when you ask, you receive. You seek God for it, and it'll happen. And that's why if you're not ready to receive this tonight, we want to 
we, we, at the end of the service, you see Jessica back there, and she's got some books that, uh, like I said, that she'll put in your hand, and you can read about it, and then you may want to do it later. But all, all it's going to do is activate the ability of God to help you at a level that you've never seen him help you for ever before. Amen? On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came, and he rested upon men. And they begin to pray with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And when you pray in the Spirit, when you get prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what releases inside of you is words that you've never prayed before, words that you've never spoken before. If you went to college and you learned how to, uh, you, you learned a foreign language, foreign to, you know, this country. Let's say you went to college and you learned, you know, some Asian language. You learned Chinese or Japanese or some foreign language. As you begin to learn that, there would become a time, and people say this, that there is a release for you to be able to speak and flow with that. And what happens with God is when you get prayed for to receive it, there's a release and you begin to flow in a language that is not your own. And you get to pray in the Spirit and you pray with this tongue, and, and then the Bible says you pray with an understanding. And when the understanding comes, you get, you get thoughts and ideas that you never would have had before. You know, when I was telling you in the beginning of the service, how there, there was a, what did I tell you at the beginning of the service? What was it? Y2K, yes. That's what it was. Great story. But, okay, so how do you pray? How do you spend a whole week praying and hearing God. Well, actually, you just do it. And you say, well, how do you know? Actually, when you do it, you find out. And, you know, I, I could give you a really good spiritual answer that sounded good, but I'm telling you, when you do it, you find out. You find out how he reveals something to you. You find out this peace inside of you when, you, when you've prayed in the Spirit and you know. And the and, and Bible says, ask and you shall receive, right? So I asked him, I said, Father, what about the, the year 2000? Is it going to be this horrible thing that happens in the year 2000? Do, do we need to stockpile and dig you know, trenches and put stuff and get freeze-dried food and do all this kind of stuff and, and, and store it away and all that? And, and the Lord said, don't do anything. He said, that's not, that's not the attack that's coming. People are going to miss the real attack. So many people have been asleep over the last 13 years and not realized the things that have crept in to the world spiritually and affected people and the increase of violence and stuff that has happened in our, in our nation has increased because people were looking for something else. And I'm telling you today, when you have the helper... He'll reveal things to you and show you things that are not just good for you, but that will help other people and help whole nations and countries. I don't know how, but I just know it. There's mornings I'll wake up. I'll be laying in bed and I'll wake up. And I'm praying in the Spirit. And man, He'll give me understanding. I'll see things that there's no way in the natural I could have ever seen. And I'll be praying for other people and I'll pray about specific things that I know need to be prayed. And I just, how do you know? I don't know. I just know. Sorry about that. I don't know. I just know. I just know. 